system requiring minimal time. Visit Swimming Pool Services in Waukesha today to save time and money. Change is good. Town Bank understands that. We know, like your coins, small things can really add up. That's why we've always counted change for our customers and neighbors for free. If your big bank has stopped doing the small but important things, keeping their drive-thru open, greeting you with a cup of coffee and a smile, or counting your change, maybe it's time for you to make one. Make the change to Town Bank. Visit townbank.us slash change to learn more. Member FDIC. Get pain relief and no surgical grief. MilwaukeePainClinic.com. Milwaukee Pain Clinic. One more place to find us. If you're an Amazon Echo user, just say, Hey Alexa, play me the news. Here's your flash briefing from 620 WTMJ in Milwaukee. The home of the Packers, Brewers, and Bucks. We are Wisconsin's radio station. News Radio 620 WTMJ, Milwaukee. At 8.01, I'm Jane Matnair. This is Wisconsin's Morning News for Wednesday, August 16th. Your top story, a local lawmaker calling for the president's impeachment. I'm Mike Spaulding. State property values hit an all-time high. I'm Doug Russell. The Brewers gained some ground in the Central. And I'm Stephanie Graham. We have an alert in Waukesha County. This is just coming in. Uh, Wisconsin 16 westbound. That's uh, with uh, at, at Crossroads County Road C and... Uh, between C and Highway 83 and Lakeland Drive, that's in Waukesha and Heartland. Uh, we have a full road closure going westbound there um, due to an accident. So something to be aware of if you are out in Waukesha County. Otherwise, across the system, uh, things are still slow in some parts, but looking much better. 4145 northbound, Zoo to Good Hope Road, where that accident was. That's now at 13 minutes. That's only a few-minute delay. Uh, 94 westbound, another slow spot. Downtown to the Zoo, that's at 17 minutes. That's 10 minutes over the usual time. On the other side, eastbound, Zoo to Marquette, that's at 14 minutes. That's a seven-minute delay. Uh, also, 894 northbound, that's been slow all morning. Hail to the Zoo. That's at 22 minutes. That's going to take you almost 16 extra minutes. I'm Stephanie Graham with WTMJ, PellaWI.com, Time Saver Traffic. Partly cloudy, warm, humid, high today, 78. Still cloudy and muggy tonight with showers and thunderstorms likely and a low tonight of 68. It is 69 degrees in Milwaukee at 8.02 from the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Milwaukee Congresswoman Gwen Moore now calling for President Trump to be removed from office. In a statement, Congresswoman Moore asked Republicans to work with Democrats Democrats as elected officials to remove President Trump as commander-in-chief and help move forward in what she calls this dark period in our nation's history. Moore citing the recent deadly violence in Charlottesville and what she says is President Trump's defense of those responsible, as well as the praise she says President Trump received by hate groups like the KKK and neo-Nazis. Moore says the time has come for Republicans and Democrats to put aside their political differences and philosophical debates for a higher cause. Belinda Babinick, WTMG News. Milwaukee's Jewish community now responding to the white supremacist rally in Charlottesville. Elena Kahn is the director of the Jewish Community Relations Council. She says it's a moment in which we must decide what kind of community we want. The sense that they could behave with impunity. Um, you know, some of the images of people carrying torches um, who were armed and wearing camouflage and yelling out, hateful things, including, you know, very overtly anti-Semitic things. 
Khan says we need leaders who can clearly denounce and separate white supremacy and Nazism and hateful ideology from political activism. Another shakeup could be in store for the president's cabinet. Correspondent Jim Acosta saying advisor Steve Bannon could be on the hot seat. Steve Bannon is very much plugged into the alt-right. He used to run Breitbart online, uh, which is obviously a publication that espouses a lot of these white nationalist views. And according to this source, who is familiar with this thinking that is really prevalent in Bannon world, the president is torn inside this White House between two rival factions, one representing uh, Jared and Ivanka and other more moderate-leaning people inside the White House, and Steve Bannon, who really represents this base that, according to this source, Trump does not want to offend. While attention has shifted away somewhat from health care, U.S. Senator Ron Johnson says not so fast. In Milwaukee Tuesday, Johnson says he's not done. What we were voting on in the Senate was far, far from perfect, but I was really voting on just to continue the process into a uh, House Senate conference. And now what I'll do is I'll use my committee chairmanship and we'll go through a problem-solving process. We'll, we'll, in a, as nonpartisan fashion as possible. Johnson joins WTMJ's Jeff Wagner this afternoon. He will be on his show at 11.08. Wisconsin property values have hit a new high. The Wisconsin Taxpayers Alliance analyzed taxable property value data finalized Tuesday by the Department of Revenue. The $526 billion in property values is a new peak. The 4.1% increase over 2016, the largest jump since 2007. The previous high, $514 billion, was in 2008, just before the Great Recession session. Coming up, Milwaukee's Main Street comes to life. Wisconsin's Morning News sponsored by Parallel Employment Group. Working with you, see what they can do for your business. ParallelEmployment.com. WTMJ Newstime, 805. Staffing takes more than people. It takes expertise. With 30 years of expertise in staffing and workforce management, Parallel Employment Group is dedicated to providing you with top quality service, resources, and talent you deserve. Hi, this is Lydia Sanchez, branch manager at Parallel Employment. At Parallel, it's our goal to create a fantastic experience for our clients. My team and I are committed to delivering top-notch customer service. We've been successful by developing true client-oriented partnerships with responsive communication and quality recruitment strategies, all done with a smile. Partner with Parallel today for the ultimate staffing experience. Visit us on the web at ParallelEmployment.com. Parallel Employment Group, staffing on Parallel. It's a great day at Amato Hyundai. Hey, John Amato, so what's this I hear about some crazy offer on new Hyundais? You heard that right, Vince. Check this out. Brand new 2017 Tucsons from Amato are $4,500 off MSRP, or you can lease a Tucson from $169 a month for 24 months with just $3,169 due. $4,500 off 2017 Tucsons? John, that's crazy. Plus, we got 2017 Santa Fe Sports up to $6,500 off MSRP, or lease from $179 per month with 24 months, just $2,979 due. $179 per month for new Santa Fe's? Does it get any better than that? It sure does, because all new Hyundais include Hyundai Assurance and America's Best Warranty. That's 10 years or 100,000 miles. It truly doesn't get better than that. Unbeatable, John. That's crazy amazing. Stop on by and see us at 8301 North 76th Street or visit us online at amatoauto.com. Amato, we're driven to make you happy. Amato driven.
Make dinner plans tonight with Papa Murphy's Thin Crust Summer Special. Get a family size that's 16 inches, two-topping thin crust pizza for only $9. Papa Murphy's Pizza, made with the freshest meats, veggies, and cheeses. You take it home to bake it or grill it. Papa Murphy's, love at 425 degrees. WTMJ Newstime 808. The crew over the Pirates last night. They're back, tie- back tied in second place. Doug Russell with more coming up in sports at 815. A Kenosha alderman's been arrested and finds himself in the Racine County Jail. Neighbors say several Kenosha County Sheriff's vehicles were outside the home of 4th District Alderman G. John Ruffalo Tuesday. They saw deputies carrying computers and other evidence before taking Ruffalo away in a squad car. The city of Kenosha is not publicly commenting yet, but a search of the Racine County downtown to the zoo, that's a seven minute, 17 minute ride. That's 10 minutes over. 4145 southbound Highway Q to the zoo, that's at 17 minutes. That's just three minutes extra. 43 inbound Brown Deer Road to Marquette is getting better and better. That's at 15 minutes, just a few minute delay. A94 northbound Hail to the zoo, that's been a problem all morning. That's at 23 minutes. That is 17 minutes over the usual time, so give yourself plenty of extra time if you are taking the bypass. I'm Stephanie Graham with WTMJ, PellaWI.com, Time Saver Traffic. WTMJ five-day forecast this morning, maybe some light fog in a few locations, otherwise partly cloudy skies, temperatures in the 50s and 60s. Eventually we warm to a high of 78 today with partly cloudy skies, also a bit on the humid side. For tonight, mostly cloudy and muggy with showers and storms likely tonight, a low temperature 68. Thursday, warm and muggy, mostly cloudy with a chance of showers, a high of 83. Friday, mostly sunny and breezy, 78. Saturday, partly cloudy, slight chance of storms, a high of 80. And Sunday, mostly sunny with a high of 83. I'm meteorologist Brian Isnanski with the Storm Team forecast on WTMJ. The barometer is falling. The Lake Michigan water temperature, 67 degrees. And Madison, 65. In Green Bay, 67. Waukesha, 62. It's 71 degrees in Milwaukee at WTMJ. Putting Jonathan VR in center field, that was a bit of an unorthodox move for manager Craig Council. It's something that we've discussed for a little bit here, you know, internally, really. To me, it's um, we're, we're at a point where we, we've thought that his skills might work out there. This was a pitching matchup specifically that we really thought would be the time to do it. But it was a move that defensively didn't hurt the crew. And the pitch. Swing on a fly ball to right center and deep and warning track and playable and caught by VR. Routine play for any center fielder. <laughs> he made it look routine. Not routine at all for someone who's only played seven games in his entire career in the outfield. Wow. And he was put in uh, center field yesterday by manager Craig Council. It was one of those, hmm, sir, we're doing this, huh? And it didn't hurt them, so... Obviously, they know something we don't. Boy, I, my heart is pounding just thinking about being out there with that thing coming at you. Can you imagine? Well, usually we get uh, about eh, 10 minutes or so, give or take, with manager Craig Council before every game. And uh, about seven of the 10 minutes yesterday were devoted to Jonathan VR's prowess or lack thereof in the outfield. Well, well done. All right. Doug has more sports coming up. Uh, Jeff Levering going to be joining us 813 at WTMJ. I put off replacing my old, inefficient windows for years. It can be tricky hiring contractors, choosing the best windows, and getting them properly installed. I wanted the job done fast, and I wanted it done right. So I called the experts at Renewal by Anderson. They have the full package, a legendary quality product installed by experts with a great warranty. Plus, this month, save $200 off each window and $400 off each patio door, or 0% interest financing for three years. Renewal by Anderson. We love our new windows. My name's Matt. 
and I'm a former frowner. I'm a mailman, and I used to never let people see me smile. Then I called Eon Clinics for dental implants at 844-365-SMILE. Eon Clinics board-certified specialists will give you what you need, including a healthy mouth and an improved physical appearance, all in the same day, under the same roof. Call Eon Clinics at 844-365-SMILE or visit EONclinics.com today. Hey, Culligan Man Gabe here. By letting us install the world's most efficient water softener and a Culligan drinking water system, a Waukesha family now has better tasting water and no hard water scale on their shower door. Culligan, better water, pure and simple. Contaminants may not be in your water. Hey, Culligan Man. Brewers 360 is sponsored by Wasco Windows and Financial Engines. Here's Doug with sports. All right, Jane Zach Davies pitches six and two-thirds innings. He scattered six hits, gave up just one earned run in earning win number 14 on the season. The Brewers beat the Pirates 3-1. to one. The Brewers and Bucks wrap up their abbreviated two-game series this afternoon at Miller Park. Our coverage starts at 1235. He is the voice of the Brewers. Joining us now on Brewers 360, Jeff Levering. Good morning, Jeff. How you doing? Good morning. And Can I just tell you how excited I am that you're on the show today, Jane? Really? Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I haven't talked to you in a long time. It has so been a while. You? And you're just sick of Gene, aren't you? <laughs> no. no I just, I'm just saying hi, that's all. How are you doing? Well, I mean, three to one win, Brewers back in second place, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it was a good win for the crew. They're starting to string together some hits, and, and the offense came alive against the Cincinnati Reds. And It's always good to win three in a row, and kind of get ahead of the Cardinals again, and, and the Cubs losing the Reds last night. That was a good night. Absolutely. And Jonathan VR out at uh, center field. Who knew he could play hey. out there? Well, you know what? He, he told us before the ball game that he plays a lot of uh, lot of softball in the offseason, and that uh, that really had him ready to go to play center field yesterday. So <laughs> I didn't know if he was... I was I was as confident as anybody. Yeah, he plays He plays a bunch of softball um, in the offseason of the Dominican Republic with his family. Mm-hmm. He said, when I play, I play the outfield. So I said, okay, man, you're going to be fine. Hey, you know, softball with your family in the DR during December, it's the same thing <laughs> almost, as almost a exactly. pennant race yes, at Miller exactly. Park. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I just, again, I was telling Doug, my, my heart was pounding just hearing about him, you know, that ball coming at him. It must have been terrifying. Uh, he was doing just fine, and, and Craig Council wouldn't put him out there unless he felt confident that he's going to be able to do the job. He was tracking some fly balls during batting practice and did a pretty good job, and there were only two balls that were hit his way, and, and he looked pretty good and on the routes that he ran. He didn't have to come in and make any plays. And everything was kind of back into his left, which are easier for, for right-handed throwing outfielders. So I, I thought he did fine. We'll see what happens in the lineup today. Yeah, when uh, when Craig was talking about it before the game, and and I remember I asked him, so has Eddie been working with him out there? He's like, no, he's just been shagging fly balls. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah batting practice. No big deal. So how many, I remember, Doug, you asked in the pregame scrum, you said, so how many balls did he actually go out there and catch? How many was he tracking? He said, ah, just batting practice. Right. <laughs> and he's only played seven <laughs> games in his entire major league career there. But again, he did all right. Yeah, he was fine. He was, oh. Again, didn't have to do a whole lot, but that's okay. If his bat, if he continues to swing the bat, they got to find a way to find him some playing time. And the center field's the, the place he's got to play, then that's the place he's got to play. A really nice bounce-back performance for Zach Davies yesterday, uh, last night as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. He's He's got to get around some first-inning trouble at home, and he was able to do that with three up and three down, six up and six down his first two innings. Uh, he was in total command yesterday, and, and he threw a jam, and Brewers offense did just enough to, to come away with a win. Jeff, great stuff. We'll uh, hear you and Bob starting at uh, 1235 today here on WTMJ. 
Sounds good. Play hooky, everybody. Come on out. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. We'll talk to you next week. It's being billed as Tinder for teens, and it's causing plenty of parents to break out in a cold sweat. What is it, and how can mom and dad keep their youngsters safe? Scafidi and Billstead have more on that story coming up at 12.07 this afternoon. On the way next, there are too many of them. Cranberries. All the details on the way, 818 at WTMJ. The Brewers are back in action today. The crew continues their series with the Pittsburgh Pirates this afternoon. Here, Mr. Baseball, Bob Euchre, when our Brewers game day coverage kicks off at 1230. Shape, hello, WI.com, time saver traffic. The WTMJ five-day forecast, partly cloudy, warm, humid, up to 78 today. Cloudy, muggy tonight, showers and thunderstorms likely low down to 68. Still warm and sticky tomorrow, cloudy, chance of showers, high 83. Sunshine back Friday, breezy, 78 for the high. Saturday, partly cloudy, slight chance for a thunderstorm and a high of 80. And Sunday, mostly sunny and a high of 83. And Delafield, 63. And Pleasant Prairie, 68. 69 degrees in Milwaukee at WTMJ. We are, I believe, the largest cranberry producer in the country. Kind of a problem, though. We have too many cranberries. Joining us is the Cranberry Growers Executive Director, Tom Lochner. Good morning, Tom. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. What do we do with all these cranberries, Tom? Well, um, I think the the industry's taken the approach of trying to develop additional markets overseas and uh, domestically, while at the same time uh, there's a a recommendation to the USDA secretary to allow the industry to manage the supply of fruit over the, the next two growing seasons so that we can get uh, supply and demand back uh, closer to balance and hopefully get grower returns at an economically sustainable level. Tom, could this lead the way to like a research and development arm for the cranberry industry? Could we see cars running on cranberry gasoline or something like that? <laughs> Um, I'm not sure on that, but there are a lot of uh, different uses for cranberries, and what we encourage people to do is to try and utilize them year-round. As one of one of our growers I was talking to the other day said, people need to um, not just eat them at the holiday times, and and uh, uh, and but should incorporate them into meals, not just into muffins. And there's a lot of lot of ways that people can use cranberry juice and cranberry juice drinks as well as uh, uh, dried cranberries that are on the market. Fresh fruit is available for a limited period of time in the fall, but you can always freeze that and use it throughout the year. And uh, cranberry sauce can be used in a lot of recipes to make barbecue sauces or um, a lot of different uh, glazes on different meats, and there are a whole host of recipes and ways to use cranberry. About that in about a half hour. It's 8.59. 908. This is Jeff Wagner. Glad to have you with us. All right. I'm cruise director on a very crowded ship today. 1108. We are scheduled to be joined by U.S. Senator Ron Johnson. We're going to talk to him about a lot of stuff. President Trump's remarks, North Korea, Foxconn, everything is on the table. Coming up in an hour, approximately 1008, we are going to talk about the fallout from President Trump revisiting the whole Charlottesville thing. Milwaukee Congressman Gwen Moore calling for him to be impeached. All right, that's gonna. We're gonna have that discussion at ten oh eight, and coming up in about a half hour, it is a, a very stunning video, which pretty clearly indicates for anybody out there who wonders, gee, why might people be afraid to come into the city of Milwaukee? Um, it's it's a situation happened at a gas station on twenty seventh and Capitol, about thirty blocks from where I'm sitting. If you want to see the surveillance video, uh, it's contained in a Channel Four report. If you text the word "attack" a t t a c k to four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. 
um, we'll we'll send you the link. Uh, but we're going to have that discussion. You don't need to see the link to participate in the discussion. But again, if you want to see what we're going to be talking about, um, you have a chance to do it. Text us the word attack four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. All right, big story number two. Uh, the whole controversy in Charlottesville started around a Confederate war monument that was in downtown Charlottesville. And when we talked about this, as a matter of fact, two days ago, got a phone call from a transplanted Milwaukeean who lives in Charlottesville, and, and she was pretty much echoing what I had heard about this, that this controversy was, in many respects, completely made up, not by people in Charlottesville. handful of people wanted the monument taken down. Most people in Charlottesville didn't have an issue. You had some of these white supremacist groups who decided that they were going to pick Charlottesville to make this a cause. Then you had the counter-protesters show up, and then you have the horrible thing that, that ended up happening. But... Um, the centerpiece was this monument that then led to other things. Uh, two days ago, you had a group of left, and I'm going to call it, this was the hate left. You had a group of these agitators, like the American Democrat, I forget what it is, the socialist workers or whatever. Some of these, like the hate left groups that showed up and tore down a monument outside the county courthouse in Durham, North Carolina. Durham is where, where, where Duke is. Um, and police stood by and watched it. Now some of them are being arrested. But this has led to the controversy over Confederate monuments. All right, there are somewhere over a 1,000 Confederate monuments all across the country, interestingly, some in, in the north. Uh, Gettysburg. Now, if I, I'm a student of American history. And um, just as an aside, if if you are a student of American history and you ever get a chance to visit battlefields, I, I suggest you do it. Um, I've had the opportunity to be to many places where, where battles were fought. The three that stand out most in my mind, uh, Pearl Harbor, the Alamo, if you ever get to San Antonio, well, the Alamo is right in the heart of downtown San San Antonio. Last time I was there, I was gr- there with a group of people, and I know I was annoying them because I kept wanting to go back to the Alamo. I just, I mean, it was just just amazing. And the third place is, is Gettysburg. And, and by the way, if you're ever visiting battlefields, my advice is to the extent you can, do it around the time when the battle was fought. I mean, the, the Battle of Gettysburg, of course, was fought um, in in. Early July, it was really like July first, second, third. If you now, if you get a chance and you go in the spring or you go in the fall or you go in the winter, that's fine. But if you really want to get a flavor for what it must have been like, uh, I, you know, you, you go around the time of the battle because then you, you can feel the heat. You can just you can see what the terrain was looks like. You could see you know what the what the scene looked like. You know, in July, which is different than in, in December. Um, so if you ever get a chance to go to Gettysburg, I, I recommend you, you do it. Um, it's just, it, it's holy ground. Well, at Gettysburg, there are a number of, there are, are monuments. Um, they, have, they have monuments all over Gettysburg. Um, there are monuments to soldiers who died. There are monuments to the locations where um, battles were fought. They memorialize soldiers on both the north and the south who fought and died during the Battle of Gettysburg. Um, the memorials um, typically have were, in many cases, they're somewhere between 50 and 100 years old. There's more than 1,325 monuments, markers, and plaques 
all throughout the battlefield. And they honor soldiers from the blue, and they honor soldiers from the gray. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Officials at Gettysburg came out yesterday and said, look, we don't care what happens. You know, this discussion about monuments and Confederate memorials in town squares, okay, you know, we're not taking a position on that. But we have no intention at all, and Gettysburg is a national park, we have no intention at all of taking down any memorials, monuments, etc., in Gettysburg, regardless of whether they acknowledge soldiers who fought for the North or soldiers who fought for the South. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, is Gettysburg being insensitive? Is Gettysburg being politically incorrect? Is Gettysburg being racist by saying, and again, this is the National Park Service, by saying we're not taking down monuments and memorials to southern soldiers who fought and died? 414-799-1620. My response is Gettysburg is doing precisely the right thing. But we'll talk about it. What do you think? If you're on the line, please hold on. 915 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Nine seventeen, Jeff Wagner, six twenty, WTMJ. Okay, Gettysburg, which is a national park, came out yesterday and said, "We don't care what's going on with this controversy involving Confederate memorials, but we are not taking any of our monuments down." At Gettysburg, there's about thirteen hundred monuments, memorials scattered throughout. Gettysburg National Park, which is the scene of the battlefield. Some honor people who fought for the North. Some honor people who fought for the South. They say, we're not doing anything. This is, we are not sanitizing history. All right, let's start with Gary in Sussex. Gary, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Gary. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, You know, it's just going crazy here. Are they going to go out there and start going into the libraries and ripping out all the books out of libraries are they gonna uh like the movie gone with the wind are they gonna censor that now and not allow that well that uh, that is an interest that is an interesting point will you be able would a public school for example be able to show gone with the wind would you be able to as part of you know a, an english class or a literature class would you be able to use gone with the wind as as one of the you know recommended reading things that that's or, or are we just so politically uh, is that just too politically incorrect nowadays yeah you know this this gal that put the that noose around uh Robert Lee's neck, and then they pulled it down. They're charging her with a felony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, in, in Durham, yeah. Yes. Now, if they would, you know, I mean, these people are a bunch of rebel rousers, and, and if they, you know, they have enough police around, they start getting enough felonies on these people, it's going to calm it down a little bit. I mean, where do we stop? Well, that's the know? question. No, thanks for calling. That, that is the question. Where do we stop? And, and actually, just to be clear, the, the statue... Uh, the, the statue that was taken down in North Carolina by the in, in Durham by the agitators that wasn't a Robert E. Lee statue. That was just a, uh, a and sort of an anonymous statue of a Confederate soldier that was dedicated to the boys in gray who lost their lives, you know, fighting for the South. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Brian in Milwaukee. Brian, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Brian. What do you think? I think Gettysburg got it right. I agree with them. I'm glad they said that. And you got to look at the bigger picture. 
Um, even though a lot of people don't like the South, I think it was a stupid war to begin with, even though the South had a lot of things wrong. But those soldiers, a lot of them were forced to fight against their brothers. Back then, if they didn't, if, so they, they had to fight, and the North soldiers had to fight. The politicians made all this, uh, made, forced them to fight. If you didn't fight back then, uh, they would shoot you for desertion or whatever back then. So those soldiers were brave on both sides. I look at it that way. Mm-hmm. And um, so they got a right to honor Confederate soldiers, and they got a right to honor the soldiers in the North because they were brothers fighting brothers in a ridiculous war. I th- thanks for calling. I get you know. I mean, I, I understand. I, I understand that the one school of thought is why would you have why would you have memorials that wreck or statues that honor people who were traitors that wanted to secede from the Union and and, and that that I get that argument. But that's that's 2017, looking back, you know, at, at the 1850s and the 1860s. And I, I guess I look at this as part of American history. And, for example, in the case of the, the memorial and the statue, let's just take this in Durham, it, it's honoring war dead. All right. And I agree with you. It's maybe it's a stupid war. Maybe the people that were fighting it were misguided. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I wasn't. I was not around then. I don't know what the motivations were, but it, it's honoring it's honoring Americans who lost their lives. Now, again, that the South misguided cause, no question about it. But does that mean you you can't acknowledge this? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to um, let's see, Matt in Milwaukee. Matt, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. I, uh, I really wish I was on the opposite side of you on this one because I think it could make a very heated debate. But I have to agree with you 100% that, that Gettysburg got it right. I'm from a rural town in West Virginia where a general, Confederate General Stonewall Jackson is from. Even though West Virginia went to the north, he was a part of the south. And my hometown has a memorial to him at our courthouse. And right. there's debate right now about taking that down. And it, it just, none of this makes sense to me. How how do you right? How do you feel about this? You know, I mean, just uh, the, the the idea that 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 statue, for example, has to come down. Yeah, I, I think it memorializes a part of our history that that nobody should forget. Um, I, and I, I ha- where does it stop? Is a hundred percent on point because we have lakes and different things that are dedicated to these people do you you rename them well that's right and and that's i mean thanks see that's the battle that's going on now matter of fact that i I was talking about this yesterday the all right the the founders of the modern democratic party like, like thomas jefferson and andrew jackson were slave owners for years and years and years the Republicans in the spring have what they call their Lincoln Day dinners. Democrats have their Jefferson Jackson Day dinners. Now, in a lot of places, I'm not sure what they do in Wisconsin anymore. They, they don't. They, you, you can't even call them Jefferson Jackson Day dinners because even though you know you trace the modern Democratic Party back to Andrew Johnson and to um, Andrew Jackson and to uh, Thomas Jefferson. Um, you're in a situation where you can't do it because oh they were slave owners and you know we're we 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 can't honor the the slave owners. Let's talk to Janelle on the east side. Janelle, good morning. Hi Jeff. Hi Janelle. Hi, I'm kind of um, inclined to believe that there is a pretty clear distinction between where it isn't appropriate to have Confederate monuments, monuments or flags versus where it's not. I think the 
pretty clear line of demarcation would be national historical battlefields would be appropriate, government state houses, courthouses, even university campuses are not appropriate. Do, do you think, like, let me ask you this, Janelle. Yeah. Do you treat uh, the Confederate flag the same way you would treat a like a, the monument in Durham, for example, that, that honors war dead? Because I guess I see a distinction between the two, I guess. Right. There, there, I think there is a very specific distinction specifically between the monument in Durham because it was a monument to uh, just the, the dead soldier versus a particular general or officer in the Confederacy. So that one is a little tricky. I think they could maybe even keep that up if they included just Civil War casualties in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I honestly do liken the Confederate flag to, you know, seeing a statue of of Lee, or what if it was, you know, somebody not as glorified as Lee, like mm-hmm. Nathan Bedford Forrest, who mm-hmm. founded the KKK, or, I mean, Stonewall Jackson's throw out there, too. But there's, you know, there's a lot of pretty bad guys on the Confederate side. Mm-hmm. Lee is kind of glorified as being this okay kind of guy, but there's a lot of other generals and officers in the Confederacy that yeah. don't have the glory that Lee does, and um, right. it, it would still be very inappropriate to glorify these men. Okay, thanks for calling, Janelle. I guess I, let me let me answer this. First of all, I agree with you. First of all, I, I don't think there is any way, shape, or form that the National Park Service should consider changing any of their monuments or memorials at a place like Gettysburg, which is hallowed ground, whether, regardless of whether or not the memorial, monument, or whatever, honor southern soldiers or, or northern soldiers. Second, I see these statues, as a general rule, as being different from the Confederate flag. Um, I don't I don't understand why you would have a, a southern flag, for example, a Confederate flag, fly over state houses. Okay, it's not a, it's not the flag of the state. It's not the flag of of the country. So I mean, I, I see that as being different. The memorials, well, okay, that becomes a much the memorials outside of the battlefields a, a much trickier thing. I, again, I still see this as, as sanitizing history, but I, I think it's up to the, the local community to decide what the historical significance of the memorial is, what is the role, who is this that's being memorialized, what role did they play in the community. Um, but again, I see this as an attempt to sanitize history, but I'm willing to at least say, okay, I think the local governments should be able to decide this on a case-by-case basis. But as far as the idea that um, you know, we have to completely get rid of all of these. I'm sorry, I don't buy it. Nine twenty-seven. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. We're throwing a party, and you get the presents. Hi, this is Terry Ludwig, owner of All American Window and Door. Our anniversary on August nineteenth is an event you don't want to miss. Enjoy a cookout, sit in a fire truck. It's nine thirty-five. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, has been called Canada's greatest songwriter of all time, has provided some of the most iconic songs since the 1960s. Now, Gordon Lightfoot is coming to Milwaukee, and we're sending you, keep listening today, sometime between now and noon. Um, I will give you an opportunity to win a pair of tickets to see Gordon Lightfoot at the Paps Theater on Sunday, September 17th. All right, coming up in about a half hour or so, we're going to take on, head on, the issue that everybody's talking about, Donald Trump 
for reasons that pass understanding, continuing to discuss his remarks about what happened in Charlottesville and Milwaukee Congressman Gwen Moore saying this calls for impeachment. At 1108, we're going to be joined by U.S. Senator Ron Johnson to talk about that and a number of other things. But right now, big story number three. Um, the video is out there. We've been sending it to lots and lots of people this morning. If you text us the word attack, you can see it. Um, let me set the stage. 27th and Capitol. There is, which isn't, I mean, I'm, I'm on Humboldt and Capitol right now. So you're talking 30 some blocks or so to the west. There's a Sitco gas station on a corner. Um, Sunday evening, 50 year old woman on her way, I believe, home from work, stops off. She parks her car. She goes in to get a soda. The, the, the Sitco, which has been robbed on multiple occasions, whose employees have been victimized, the Sitco has a surveillance camera in the parking lot. And there is a surveillance video that shows three teenagers, a, two boys and a girl, kind of like hanging around, loitering outside the building. Uh, on the surveillance film, you can also see a bum. I know some people are offended by that term, but this guy is a bum who's sitting there on, like, the curb that you step up, the sidewalk that you step up to go into the Sitco. He's got, like, a cup of change. Apparently what happened is on the way in to buy the soda, the woman decided not to give the bum any change. All right? Here is the Channel 4 report of, of what happened. Here's the audio. Well, that victim has a fractured elbow, and she says she will need surgery on her shoulder. The attack, though, was caught on camera, and she hopes the video will lead to arrests. I was screaming and hollering for help. Sharon McKinney says she stopped at the gas station to get a soda on her way home. Before she could get in her car, she says a teen girl started attacking her. Two others soon joined in. When the guy was stomping on me, he was telling me to give her the keys, mm. you know, so... That's what it was about. While the attack happens, a man sitting on the curb just watches. Sharon says the man was panhandling and had asked her for money when she walked in the store. He actually picked my soda up and started drinking my soda because he told me if I had gave him some change, he would have helped me. The attack goes on for roughly four minutes. Eventually, the teens run away with Sharon's keys. She says her injuries will cause her to miss two months of work. Right now, it's no, it's no discipline. It's no respect here in Wisconsin. These children is just... I don't know. They are, they are very out of hand here. And police are investigating this incident and are still looking for the people involved. So what, what is depicted in the video? Like I say, th this woman, she stops to get a soda. 27th and Capitol, the Sitco. She goes in. Um, and you see this on the videos. You see the, the teenagers that are loitering. She comes out. She's got the soda in her hand. She walks up to get the to, to get in her car. You see this teenage, and apparently this teenage girl, runs at her like a bat out of you know where attacks her from behind kicks her gets her on the ground at that point in time the two boys that she are is with then they come and they're starting to attack this woman she's 50 years old they're beating her she to her credit is fighting back but this goes on there are people standing around not all captured in the video, but apparently there's people standing around just watching this woman being attacked. Nobody does a damn thing to help her out. There's the bum. Yes, I use that word. There's the bum who's sitting on his butt, you know, panhandling, who watches this entire thing go on. His excuse is, well, I, I just well, she didn't give me money, so I decided not to help. So all these people stand around, watch this woman get pummeled. Ultimately, the the attackers 
are able to get her keys out of her hand, but not her car, and run away. And she chases them down. But, I mean, and she chases them, and then you, you don't see it. They get away, don't know who they are. She's ends up hospitalized. You know, she's thankfully she is alive, but she's, you know, injured. And, you know, um, she's hurt apparently her shoulder and her elbow. The owner of the Sitco station, not in that report, but in other news reports, you know, again, he talks about how this this is an ongoing situation. He said this is a horrible situation. He says we, this happens all the time. They try to steal. They come in with knives. Some come in with guns. My coworkers, he was tried to be stabbed uh, a couple of weeks ago. So I'm, I'm watching this video, and I have to tell you, whenever I discuss these stories about how Milwaukee is unsafe and how there are just and, and by the way, if you don't have access to the video, this case, everybody, the, the woman who was attacked was African-American. The attackers are African-American. So this isn't a, a racial crime or something. This is black on black crime to the extent that has any relevance at all. But whenever I talk about this, I always get these emails saying, oh, you talk about the city of Milwaukee being dangerous. It's really not that dangerous and these things. OK, this is 27th and Capitol. This is a woman stopping to get a soda, and she is brutally attacked by three teenagers who are loitering in the parking lot. It is not – my heart goes out to the woman. My heart goes out to the guy who's trying to make a living and run a business in this community. But I have to tell you, if you want to understand why people, particularly from the suburbs, won't drive through the city of Milwaukee – or are reluctant to come to the city of Milwaukee, it's because of stuff like this. And I'm not, this isn't a police department problem. I mean, the cops can't be everywhere. This is a problem in the community that is simply and totally out of control, where a 50-year-old woman on Sunday night can't pull in and get a soda at a gas station without being attacked and robbed. Okay, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is example A of why people are reluctant to drive through the city of Milwaukee or come to the city of Milwaukee. And until we get a handle on this type of thing, that is not going to change. A lot of times we argue, well, there's a perception that it's dangerous. Um, well, it's not just a perception. There is a reality that this is dangerous. People have all sorts of choices as to where they can go and what they can do. And if you're, and and I understand that crime can happen anywhere. But the truth of the matter is, if you pull into the quick trip in Sockville, you're not going to get robbed and beaten if you run in to get a soda. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, is crime in Milwaukee? And this random crime and the senseless crime, does that make you reluctant to travel to or through the city? 414-799-1620. We discuss next. It's big thing number three. It's 942. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. If you're on the line, please hold on. I mean, seriously, I'm, I'm looking at this video and... I'm thinking who in their right mind, if you could avoid this, who would be driving past 27th Capitol? And I hate to say this because my heart goes out to the gas station owner who's just trying to make a living. But if this is the type of stuff that is going to be going on, who in their right mind is going to be pulling into this gas station? 943, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. If you're on the line, please hold on. 945, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. To add insult to injury about this story... The, the woman is being beaten up by these teenagers. 
Um, she's being, you know, she's being robbed. They're trying to steal her car. You've got the bum. Yes, he is a bum sitting on his butt. Apparently, he, the only thing that makes him get up is she drops her soda as she is being beaten. The guy gets up and starts drinking her soda. What a bunch of low lives. I mean, seriously. Teenagers decide we're going to assault a 50-year-old woman. We're going to try to rob her. You've got people that stand by and watch this happen. You've got the bum that decides, well, she didn't give me any change when I was coming in, so I'm going to watch her get the hell beat out of her. And, oh, she, she dropped her soda. I'm going to drink it. Oh, yeah, come to Milwaukee. One of our texters says, but according to Mayor Barrett, Milwaukee is a safe city. Tell this to that 50-year-old lady who went into the soda to get a soda on 27th and um, at the Sitco station on 27th and Capitol. Um, let's talk to Andrew in South Milwaukee. Andrew, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I spend a fair amount of time in, in these types of areas in, in my business, and we won't go into what, what I actually do, but... Um, there's an attitude out there that uh, people will hang around, loiter. The owners do their best to keep people from loitering in their areas. Sure. And, um, you know, that's how you write out, go ahead, call the cops. They'll become very uh, volatile, aggressive towards the owners. Mm-hmm. The owners are, are caught in a catch-22, yep. and if we're going to get put an end to this crime in this smaller crime, uh, which is serious, the owners of the businesses cannot be made, the, the, the police department blames it on them. The city of Milwaukee has a nuisance ordinance, but if you have two violent incidents at your business, they declare you a nuisance. Yeah. And what that means now is once you're declared a nuisance, whenever the police are there, you have to pay per man hour for police coverage. Which a lot of these people pay a lot of property tax. Sure. And we're supposed to be getting police coverage, so we get poor response time. Uh, I've had police captains tell me outright in these various meetings with the police captain is usually there. They have six or seven officers. They have you know somebody from the city attorney's office who's the uh, community prosecutor liaison. And, you know, they'll make statements like, well, maybe the business is too hard for you to handle. Maybe, you know, you should, should leave the business. And Right. So until we make the police an ally of the business owner and the police say, hey, yeah, we've got your back, uh, yeah. you know, the business owner's caught. And you talk about people don't want to come to Milwaukee. Business owners want to leave Milwaukee. Yeah. Nobody's going to come to Milwaukee to do a business. And then we're going to have a bunch of boarded up buildings everywhere. No, you're, and th- uh, thanks, for, Andrew. You're, you're exactly right. And, I mean, I, I'm, th- I, I'm looking at this. Number one, I feel bad for the woman who was attacked, the 50-year-old woman who was attacked, for having the audacity to stop at the Sitco station and buy a soda. But number two, I feel bad for the business guy because I will tell you, it, th- my reaction to this is there is no way, and you know what, that I'm ever stopping at that Sitco station. And it's not their fault. I, I appreciate it. It's That's the wrong reaction to have because it's not 
the owner's fault. The owner's on TV saying, yeah, we, this is, you know, we're, we're, we're robbed. We're attacked. We've got this stuff going on. You've got surveillance cameras up, but you've got the bum that's sitting there outside panhandling who his reaction when it watches a 50-year-old woman getting brutally attacked, his reaction is, gee, I'm going to go up and I'm going to steal her soda. I mean, if he could have probably gotten access to her purse, you know he would have stolen that too. You've got these teenagers and you can see them just loitering around. They're, they're like a pack of, of rabid wolves looking for somebody that they think they might be able to victimize. And you watch this video and you can just see it. As soon as this woman walks out, you can see one of the wastes of space, the teenage girl who just takes off in a beeline, you know, running at this woman as fast as her legs can carry her to attack this woman and people standing by and watching all this. So for people out there in the city of Milwaukee, and again, this isn't this isn't a racial thing. This was a black on black item of crime, but it shows how crazy and out of control this is. So for anybody in the city who wonders why Businesses don't want to locate here. Can you imagine being the owner of this business? You know, he's now dealing with all this, and he says we're just as much of a victim because you have people in the community who apparently just don't care. By the way, this has been out there for a couple days. This happened on Sunday. It's now Wednesday. This has been out there. I don't think they've made any arrests yet, despite the fact that you can I mean, somebody knows who these people are. They're on video. You can see them doing the attack, and still yet they, they haven't been apprehended yet. Um, you know, you can ask the questions, where are the parents? Well, I mean, who knows where the parents are? Um, this this isn't a, gee, we need more stuff for kids to do. This isn't, gee, we need more midnight basketball leagues. These are just antisocial thugs who are sitting around, you know, waiting for targets of opportunity. And this woman, unfortunately, presented herself. And again, I understand that it's frustrating, but at the same time, Sometimes you have to look out for yourself, and you watch this video, and you say, why would I put myself in a situation like that? Why would I travel down that particular street if I could possibly avoid it, knowing that there are out-of-control teenagers or you know people loitering around there who don't care? Can you imagine? Nobody came to this woman's aid. Nobody. Not just the bum who was sitting around who decided that he was going to, oh, she's dropped her soda, I'm going to drink it. But nobody came to this woman's aid. What does that say about, you know, what's going on in the community in, in general? I mean, it's just, it, it's just, again, you, you just, you know, you know, shake your head and, and say, you know, how how do you possibly, you know, think that this is going to be, you know, able to be turned around? Ken in Milwaukee. Ken, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Morning. What do you think? I'm calling about that yep. uh, gas station incident. Yep. It, 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 just seeing that makes me more and more want to get a concealed carry permit. Just for instances like that. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that's going to happen. More and more people are going to recognize that there's, you know, they're going to have to protect themselves. And, and that's what you're going to start seeing, you know, more and more people deciding, hey, we're not going to be victims. And they're either going to be avoiding these locations or if they've got to travel to some of these locations, um, they're going to figure out how to defend themselves. Uh, that, that owner of that gas station, he should have figured out what was going on with those three people standing there. Yeah. Outside the station, he should have told the lady, "Don't go outside. I'm calling the cops." 
Yeah, but what do you do? You call. The, but I'm, let me let me defend him, Ken. You call the police and you say, "I've got three teenagers that are kind of loitering outside my building." You know, it, you, I mean, there was a woman who called nine one one a couple days ago. We talked about it because bullets were flying through her house. They didn't have cops there for four hours. You call and you say, oh, "I've got three teenagers that are loitering out here." Um, and they'd say yes, <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, you know, thanks. I mean, I guess I, I, I mean, see, I'm not going to fault the owner on this because, again, the owner's trying to make a living. I mean, I'm just trying to picture. You call the local police station. There's three teenagers that are loitering out here. Um, they're on my surveillance camera. Well, have they done anything? No, they haven't done anything. Well, okay, call us when they do, and then we'll we'll try to get there. Well, they did. I mean, they did. They ended up, you know, beating this person up. Um, let's see. Have a text here, Jeff. We live in Racine County. Our daughter is a student at UWM. Last week, we picked her up at her dorm, headed over to a restaurant near Bayshore. Our GPS took us down Capitol. We went past your radio station and continued west. I was uncomfortable as we went further west. It's stories like this that make me nervous and want to find another route to Bayshore. It's terrible. Yes, it, it is. It is. It is terrible. It is a community. And again, I, I appreciate that the vast majority of people who live in some of these high crime areas are in fact law abiding citizens they are prisoners in many respect of of the bad guys but you need to wake up and we need to deal with this and the community needs to come together and says we're not going to tolerate violence and if you've got these out of control punk teenagers that decide we're going to wait around to find some 50 year old woman so we can beat her up and try to steal her car well okay if you've got people like that that are out on the street they shouldn't be out on the street they should be charged as adults they should be in prison. Sorry. 955 Jeff Wagner 620 WTMJ. It's 10:08. This is Jeff Wagner 620 WTMJ. Program flying by 11:08. We're scheduled to be joined by US Senator Ron Johnson. We're going to talk about a whole lot of stuff with him. All right, um, let us let us tackle the issue that is dominating the news. We're we're not talking about North Korea anymore. We're not talking about Russia anymore. We are talking about the president's response to what happened over the weekend in Charlottesville. Let's review the bidding. Um, Charlottesville, Virginia, which is a nice college town somehow became the epicenter for the the white supremacist movement. There's a statue, um, downtown area, um, a a handful of locals. And this, you know, when when you talk to people from the area, they tell you this really wasn't that big of a controversy. They wanted to take down the statue. Um, And for reasons that kind of pass understanding, this became like ground zero for the, the white supremacist movement, you know, neo-Nazis and the KKK, and they decided that they were going to rally uh, around this particular statue. So they start pouring into Charlottesville. Then what happens is, in response to that, you have a number of outside groups who come to counter-protest the, the protesters. So you have a very, very volatile situation. Many of the counter-protesters were, were peaceful, but you did have a segment of them. Um, the, the term that the president was using is alt-left. I, I, I don't know what that means. I, I, I call it kind of the hate-left. You have a lot of protesters that are there. You have some people that show up, and they are looking for trouble. That, that's, that is just the reality of this. But at the same time, you're dealing with white supremacists. So, I mean, really? All right. What happens is 
fights are breaking out all day. The geography is stuff is such that it is very difficult for the police to keep the group separated. And then one of the some twenty year old kook neo Nazi who is you know um, has apparently been a problem you know ever since he became a teenager you know drives a vehicle into the crowd kills a thirty two year old woman who is there protesting injures nineteen others all right in the immediate aftermath the president before all the details were known the president comes out he issues a statement he condemns hate he condemns bigotry he denounces violence on all sides all right um he is criticized. You didn't mention white supremacists. You didn't mention the KKK. Oh, this is terrible. And and his initial reaction is, hey, I, I denounced violence on all sides. All right, that then is the subject of the Sunday talk shows. Is Donald Trump uh, tacitly supporting the white supremacist groups and the neo-Nazis and the KKK? He didn't, he didn't call them out. In some respects, it was similar some respects, to when President Obama just refused to identify Islamo-terrorists. But the president's response is, hey, I, I, I denounced hate, bigotry, violence. That should be enough. All right, it wasn't enough for some people. So on Monday, and we carried the statement, it was about 1130 in the morning, he came out and he made a very, very detailed statement, again, condemning hate, violence, bigotry, racism. He mentioned white supremacists. He mentioned the KKK. That wasn't good enough for some people who said, okay, well, this is just too little, it's too late. And, you know, we talked about it, and for those people that didn't like what the president said, there's just some people that he couldn't have said, there's nothing he could have done to satisfy him. I didn't have a problem with the president's initial remarks. Um, Could could he have done a follow-up on Saturday evening or Sunday? Yeah, that wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world, but it wouldn't have changed it. The haters were going to hate. I didn't have a problem with his response on, on Monday. And candidly... I thought that would have been the end of it. <laughs> you know, I, I really, I thought that would have been the end of it. And I, I got, I got heat from the folks, the Trump haters that were out there. Oh, you're letting him off the hook? No, I mean, I, I, I didn't have a problem with what he said on Saturday, and I certainly didn't have a problem with what he said on Monday. Could it have been stronger? Could he have come out with something a little bit sooner as a follow up to what he said? Yes, but, but in general. I didn't think there was anything that could have satisfied the people who don't like Donald Trump, and they were using this as an excuse to go after him. All right, then you have yesterday. And for those of you who haven't been following it, what happens is the, the president the, the president is out, again, announcing, you know, announcing an infrastructure initiative. That, that's what this was supposed to be for, and the plan was he comes out, he announces the infrastructure initiative, and then he's supposed to just kind of go away and let let other people just handle this. For reasons that, that pass understanding, he decides to engage in – he decides to revisit this. Now, I understand that the media, they're asking him questions about this, and I'll be honest with you. My response, my response was, I mean, if if I were the president, here's how I would have handled it. I would have said, I have said all I intend to say about what happened in Charlottesville. I denounced the hate and bigotry on Saturday. I was specific on Monday. 
I have said, and now we're here to talk about infrastructure, or we're here to talk about whatever. I, I would not have let myself get drawn in. I mean, I just put a rest to it. But for reasons, again, that pass understanding, the president decided that he wanted to comment on this more. And so in commenting on this, he decided to kind of blame both sides. I think there is blame on both sides. You had a group on one side that was bad. You had a group on the other side that was also very violent. Nobody wants to say that. I will say it again. I've condemned neo-Nazis. I've condemned many district, different groups. Not all of those people were neo-Nazis, believe me. Not all of those people were white supremacists by any stretch. He criticized alt-left groups that he claimed were very, very violent when they sought to confront the white nationalists. Many of those people were there to protest the taking down of the statue of Robert E. Lee. This week it's Robert E. Lee, and this week Stonewall Jackson is George Washington next. You have to ask yourself, where does it, it stop? Okay, here's, of course, the problem with, with what the president said. You have an element of the counter-protesters that showed up who were looking for trouble. You, you, you do. That, that, I agree with him to that extent. But you had a lot of people that were there who were just there to protest the white supremacists. You have the white supremacists and the neo-Nazis. And to try to draw moral equivalencies, oh, there, there were bad people on both sides. It does, I understand. People look at this and say, okay, that is, that's giving shade. That's giving cover to the white supremacists. Yes, did some people on the other side show up looking for trouble? Yes, they clearly did. But at the same time, you've got white supremacists. You've got the KKK people. They are showing up. And, and why the president just couldn't let it drop, why he couldn't let it go, why he couldn't just stop with what he said on Monday is absolutely beyond me because I don't I, I, I watched the re- replay of his remarks and I have to admit if I was on the air at the time I would be shaking my head going what is he doing because I, I do maybe I understand what he was trying to say I well I'm not even sure but I mean he was how I don't think there's any way that you can look at what he was saying without taking it as like some veiled defense of some of the, the white supremacists slash neo-Nazis that were there. It is mind-boggling to me that he just couldn't let it go. That's number one. In response to that, now, of course, you have everybody who's, it's again, hair on fire. He's managed to turn this into a fourth and fifth day story. And into this wades our very own Congresswoman Gwen Moore. Now, this is the same Gwen Moore. By the way, that last topic we discussed, um, the, the 50-year-old woman who's brutally beaten as she's walking out of the gas station, um, this, is, this is Gwen Moore's district. Now, Gwen Moore is not talking about crime in the city of Milwaukee. She's not talking about trying to figure out ways to help get her constituents to the plants at Foxconn so they can get jobs. But Gwen Moore comes out with a statement calling for the impeachment of President Trump, Um, not just denouncing President Trump, but she calls for Trump to be um, impeached. 
She says, I'm very, very upset. I think it's really time for us to um, sort of forgive ourselves and really just admit that we made a mistake in electing this president, that Republicans being a majority have got to take some responsibility for making whatever legal efforts there are to remove the man from office. She is asked, um, you want him impeached? She says, yes, I think so. I am there. She later releases a statement that says, in part, for the sake of the soul of our country, we must come together to restore our national dignity that has been robbed by Donald Trump's presence in the White House. My Republican friends, I implore you to work with us within our capacity as elected officials to remove this man as our commander in chief and help us move forward from this dark period in our nation's history. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I am I am stunned, not necessarily surprised, but I am stunned that President Trump said what he said yesterday and decided to revisit it. Having said that, Gwen Moore is now calling for his, his, his impeachment. What do you think about this? Is it time for Congress to come together and try to impeach Donald Trump? 414-799-1620. We discuss next. It's 1020. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1022, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. There is, by the way, a hate left that's out there, and and you see elements of that hate left at different protests, but that, that's not indicative of all the different protesters, just like there is a hate right out here. I, I think it is just beyond me that President Trump decided to engage in this ongoing debate with members of the media at this little news conference that they had yesterday, and and, and essentially equate the protesters, the counter-protesters who showed up, with uh, some of whom were part of the hate left. That that's true. But on the other hand, you've got you've you've got white supremacists and you've got neo Nazis. And I understand why some of the things the president said, instead of just leaving well enough alone, now makes it seem like he is giving shade or cover to the neo Nazis and the white supremacists who can't be defended under any in any stretch of the imagination why he did it is beyond me but but Gwen Moore says enough is enough we have to impeach him well okay has he committed an impeachable offense and if so what would that be 414-799-1620 let's start with Vincent on the northwest side Vincent good morning good morning Jeff uh, to, to Congresswoman Moore um, Ignorance and stupidity is not an impeachable offense under the Constitution. I don't think, I don't think it's nowhere near it. Uh, the fact is, is that uh, uh, it, it doesn't surprise me that this this, this performance yesterday of, of, of uh, Donald Trump is being applauded by David Duke and and, and the neo Nazis and, and 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 individuals of their ilk. Right, because they interpret this. He's drawing this moral equivalency between us and all these different protesters, and and maybe he was trying to be a little more nuanced. But but people lose that. It, I understand why people see this and hear it as an endorsement of again these white supremacist groups, which is. So beyond me, Vincent, why the president just couldn't let it go with what he said on Monday. Just beyond, I just don't get it. I, I don't get it either, but the only thing I can see that he, he they, 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 they've always stated that they support support Donald Trump and, and the fact that, and, and, and so obviously it's part of his base that, that he, he wants to continue to, to, to cultivate. That's the only reason I can see, but to say that on Friday 
individuals marching in the street with torches on a church and, and, and around the statue, uh, uh, chanting some anti-Semitic uh, 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 rant, or somehow there were some good people involved yeah. in that. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. It, 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 it's, it's just beyond the pale. I agree. A, a president would stand up there and say that, and, 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 and the people around him, I, you know, that's one of the people I feel, some people feel I feel sorry for that was standing there who, 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 who were just deflated, looked like they were hit with a lead pipe with him standing up there trying to defend these individuals. I, you know, it's interesting I, that you said that. I was watching the video, and I saw, you know, uh, I saw Flynn standing there, and he was, was the, the chief of staff uh, standing there, and they're just kind of like with the head down, shaking his head, you know, um, Kelly, just, you know, shaking his yeah. head. It's kind of like, okay, why why would you get drawn into this? Because candidly, Vincent, I mean, I, I, as I've argued before, I thought – Regardless of what he said initially, I thought that the remarks he made on Monday hit the right tone. It didn't satisfy some people because they didn't think it was soon enough, but he condemned the various hate. And, and I, I thought, why just couldn't you let it go? Why did you have to go down this route? Uh, because I, I just think the fact is he, he, he always wants to win. Yeah, and, yes. And, and, and he's an egomaniac, and he has to win. And so, 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 so that's one of his problems. But the fact is is that this country is not better for what he did yesterday. And so the, 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 from, from Paul Ryan to all the individuals calling him out, I think he needs, uh, needs to be called out. But impeachment, he's not there yet. No, th- no, no thanks for calling. I'm, I'm with you. No, I mean, I, again, it's, it's like impeachment. I, seriously. Um, I, I, uh, let's see. I have an, a, a, one of my texts. Trump and the media deserve one another. Unrestrained adolescent behavior on both sides. The presser looked like a middle school food fight. It, it, it did. And I'm kind of like, again, I'm sitting there thinking you're the president of the United States. Now, don't you realize that you are, are making this a second and third and a fourth day news story, number one. And number two, you are, for people, you, you are giving cover to these white supremacist groups. Now, having said that, I think it is ridiculous, ridiculous to start talking about impeachment because this is not an impeachable offense. But the president, in my opinion, certainly didn't help himself yesterday. Joan in Milwaukee. Joan, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi. Good Hi, morning. I have a little different view. I don't like Gwen Moore's agenda. I think it should be right down here with this violence that just occurred, mm-hmm. and she should be taking care of her own area. But I have a sneaky suspicion she has a bigger agenda. Maybe somewhere down the line they can forget about Hillary, and another name could come up for a woman. Gwen Moore for president? Give me strength. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I agree. No, give, that's give me my opinion. Thanks. For, well, I, you know, I mean, again, it, it is it is interesting that you know, with, with all the problems in Gwen Moore's district. That, that this is the issue that she decides to focus on. Why don't you focus on crime? Why don't you focus on jobs? But, you know, she wants to, you know, call out Donald Trump. And, and, I mean, I think she makes herself look foolish by calling for impeachment. Because, again, even though I don't think the president did himself any favors yesterday, that this isn't an impeachable offense. We continue the conversation. All right, did, did, did President Trump make a mistake yesterday? Did he make a mistake in the way he handled the follow-up to this? And Gwen Moore says it's time for Trump to go. Is she on to something? We continue the conversation. It's 1028. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1036. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Brandon and Madison. Brandon, thanks for waiting. Good morning. Yeah, no worries. How are you doing, Jeff? 
I'm good. I'm a little frustrated. I mean, it's just, I, I was watching that news conference yesterday just shaking my head. I, I have to tell you. So there's a, I mean, I have obviously a lot, you know, everyone has a lot to say about this. But I have to start off by still, I think that he was an, I can't believe that I'm defending President Trump. I, I can't believe it. But I think he was in a no-win situation yesterday. If he ignores all the questions, which they were going to keep coming, you know, people are going to criticize him. Yeah. But as soon as he answers, he he only answers in the Trumpiest way possible, <laughs> which comes across as arrogant and not caring. You know, so in an almost misinformed in a way, well. because so so part of what I you know what I'm thinking with all of this. Everyone wants to make everything a, you know, a, a cause and event, you know, situation and wants everything to be this black and white decision. Well, by denouncing both groups, it doesn't mean I don't think that you're giving cover to the white nationalists and I'm in no way, shape or form. You know, part yeah. of that. Well, I don't know, but the or problem is, but the problem is, he starts talking off the cuff, and he starts. Okay, th- this was a neo-Nazi white supremacist rally, and he starts to say, and he, and he says stuff like, "Well, you know, not all the people there. There were some good people that were there. They're neo-Nazis and they're white supremacists. I mean, come agree. on, yeah, that, that, I, I agree. Okay. But the, on the other side, so here's I think something that's missing from this whole entire conversation that people need to start to to think about is that. So no one, I haven't heard of this at all today, but so the militant left, the so apparently alt-left now. Right, or hate-left or whatever you want to call anti, it. Yeah. It's, the, it's the Antifa, the anti-fascist movement. Right. They are, no, they, they are the militant left. So the problem is, is that obviously the militant left and the, you know, and the Antifa and the fascists are inherent rivals. So both bases grow based on each other right mm-hmm. where the fascists see these guys and say well we need to rise up against this yep. the anti-fascists say look at these jagaloons we need to you know go and fight them and that's how their powers rise oh yeah no Whereas, it, no no I, brandon thanks sir. i mean i jagaloons i like that word but but it, right and, and this is and, and it just kind of feeds into the divisiveness but which is all the more reason why, when you're the leader of the free world, and look, and I, I said this the other day, and I was criticized by some and applauded for others. I didn't have a problem with what the president said on 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 Saturday, especially since you didn't have all the details. I certainly didn't have a problem with what he said on Monday, which I thought should have been the definitive and final statement on this. The problem is, and, and yes. That the news media started asking the media started asking him questions, but at the same time, that's what the reporters do. They don't like Trump, but they're also they recognize that he's got the impulse control of a fruit fly, and that that he goes off on these things. And when you're dealing with a very very sensitive issue, and and again, you're dealing with a white supremacist rally. And to come out and to say, okay, well, some of those people, I understand what he's trying to say, that you had a, a certain segment of the counter-protesters that were there to create trouble. I, I get that. But to, to say, well, it's the people, that are the neo-Nazis and the people who were attending the, the white supremacist rally, there were some good people there, too. What are you possibly thinking? I mean, because that that's then going to be what the story is. And it's why, I mean, I, as President Trump yesterday struck me as being, angry and defensive and 
why he chose to engage. I mean, you're the leader of the free world. I mean, to me, again, you know, he was saying, Les Call Brandon was saying, well, how do you handle it? Why, the way I think you handle it is exactly like I said. I'm here to talk about infrastructure. I have made my statement. I have made my position clear on what happened in Charlottesville. Boom, I'm moving on. Instead of allowing yourself to get sucked into this debate where you start talking about things off the cuff and then you go you end up getting drawn down this route now having said that there's people on the other side and and Gwen Moore is one of them I mean this is not an impeachable offense calling for you can denounce President Trump's comments as being tone deaf or insensitive if you want to call him a racist okay you can call him a racist but this this whole talk about impeachment I mean give me a break here's our text Gwen Moore is pushing her own brand of racism crying wolf impeachment for every little thing she needs to get back to work and fix her own district Andrew and Greenfield texts I thought his comments over the weekend on her Monday were fine um, you know, you did mention why did he have to make this a third day story? The media goaded him into it. The Trump should have let it go, but it's really the media that won't let it go. Well, yes and no. I mean, the media, yes, that this is a hot button issue. And yes, the media is out there to try to get clicks on their websites and eyeballs, you know, on their TV programs and to sell newspapers. But the president plays into this, which is why. And I'm sure somebody briefed him on this. I mean, I'm sure when he, he came out, you know, in the down at Trump Tower, I'm, I'm sure beforehand somebody had said, well, Mr. President, you know, they're going to be asking you this or that or the other thing. And I'm sure at least somebody suggested, why don't you just let this one go and, and move on? And, and he couldn't. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Uh, but that is not to serve as an endorsement of Gwen Moore either. I mean, you've got... Neither one of them, I think, should be proud of their performances yesterday. Lewis on the South Side, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Well, we certainly can listen to Gwen Moore. She doesn't take care of her problems in our district. I live there, um, and she's an embarrassment to the city, state, and country. We all know that. Um, but as far as, as Trump, you know, one thing I, I'm surprised no one's addressed is, is the mayor. The mayor of that city had the police pull back. Yeah. Uh, these racist, fascists, whatever they are, uh, the garbage, they did have a permit. They had a yeah. legal permit. They had this ahead of time. Um, that permit isn't, I mean, you're a lawyer. Isn't that a binding agreement uh, that the city says that they'll protect them uh, to have their little rally, regardless of how ignorant it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, the police, um, I mean, thanks to Carlos. I mean, I, I, think, I think the police... Here, here's what I understand happened. I, it's been a long time since I've been in Charlottesville. I, I, I was there once or twice years and years and years ago. So in all honesty, I don't have a clear recollection of this. It's it's a small town. Um, it's, a, it's a college town. It's where University of Virginia is. And at least in the town itself, as opposed to the suburbs, it, it's kind of antebellum south. I mean, small, narrow streets. The, the area where they had the permit was like the town square close in um and and actually the authorities wanted to get them to do the rally in a a larger park area where it would have been easier it would have been easier to keep the group separated and and control things the location was but actually the aclu um you know went and defended their right to have the permit to do it in this really narrow area so you you had 
it was a very, very volatile situation, I, I guess. And that's in, in the defense of the police. They're, they're just saying there's only so much that we could do um, because it, it was a, it was in a bad spot. You had these large groups of, of people that were that were out there. But, you know, regardless of, of any of that, I mean, I, I think it's I think that, you know, there's a lot to go back and look and, and see what could you have done. And the truth of the matter is um, this 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 happens because you have this kook racist white supremacist neo-nazi 20 year old who has a history of just doing antisocial things who gets into his car and drives into a into a mob of people and that's of course what what sets this all up but again the, the, my problem Gwen Moore I, I agree Gwen Moore is a publicity seeker Gwen Moore has no credibility. There's no basis for impeaching the president. And candidly, I think the community would be a lot better off if Gwen Moore decided to, you know, try to figure out ways to, in a meaningful fashion, address the crime and the unemployment and the poverty in her district, as opposed to, you know, worrying about things like this and sort of pandering to whatever constituent she's trying to pander to. Having said all that, um, I I think the president, and, and this is an ongoing problem, I, I've argued this before, and I understand that I have a more nuanced view than, than some people, but th- there's a the whole issue of style and there's the issue of substance. And I think President Trump's style often gets in the way of the substance and, and the policies. And this is a very, very sensitive issue. The people are, are very, very riled up. Things are very volatile. And that's why you want to, in my opinion at least, choose your words carefully. I thought I thought the Monday remarks that were prepared were outstanding, and it's unfortunate that he just, in my opinion at least, just didn't let it go at that. 1046, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Who knows what today is going to bring. Actually, coming up in about 20 minutes, we are scheduled to be joined by U.S. Senator Ron Johnson. This is one of the topics that I want to talk to him about. It's 1046, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1048, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So, my producer, BD, you think you want to do a talk show? Here is, okay, here's our text line. You're full of crap, Wagner. You're misspelled. But that's okay. You're, I, you're full of crap, Wagner. Had he said, I'm here to talk infrastructure instead, he would have gotten slaughtered. Duh. All right. Okay, so, so you allow the media to draw you down a path that is then going to, I don't know, it's not like he's not getting slaughtered by the stuff he said. I mean, here, here's what was supposed to happen. This, this was, he. they were talking infrastructure. That was what the plan was. That was what the purpose was. My understanding is the president was supposed to come down, announce the infrastructure stuff, and then turn it over to a couple of the people who were responsible for implementing it while he leaves. That's what the plan was. That's what this press conference is. So he would have gotten slaughtered if he didn't answer it. Oh, no. So here, I've got a better strategy. I'm going to, in a defensive and arrogant fashion, I'm going to engage the media who are all out to get me. And, yeah, that's going to help. I, I just, I don't know. Sometimes you just have to... You know, if you're a public figure, you just have to show some some control. And in all due respect, I think 
I don't think the president helped himself yesterday. I think he muddied the waters, and I think he allowed himself to get drawn into it. You know, one of our previous texters, you know, made the point that it seemed between the president and the members of the media, it seemed like a middle school food fight, and it kind of did to me. It was just an... um, it was just one of these press conferences going, I can't believe that this is doing it. And, and the bottom line is the president's the one that gets to set the tempo and the tenure. Um, and again, typically when you have controversial things, what you try to do is you try to figure out a way to, all right, let's make this a one-day story or let's make this a two-day story. And like I said, I thought a lot of the criticism of his remarks on Saturday was unfair. And, and I thought he struck the right tone on Monday. I think he said what needed to be said. You had the critics out there who were never going to like this was too little, too late. Okay, fine, but that's it's over. It, it's over. Let it drop. And um, the president did not do that. And yeah, I I think I, I think yes. You say I'm here to talk infrastructure, and I'm not going to debate you. I have said all I plan to say on the incident that the unfortunate and tragic incident that happened in Charlotte Charlottesville I made my position very clear in my remarks on Saturday and Monday thank you very much boom and then then you just go on yes that's how I think people should have handled it um, there's I, I mentioned this when this story first came out uh, last week and, and I know John McCure has been talking a little bit about it and um, the folks on our morning news have been talking a little bit about it too um, I I have I hark I remember when air travel was was fun and something you maybe even look forward to and and back in the day I said this last week I used to um, I used to travel a lot between Milwaukee and Washington DC and that Midwest Express later Midwest Airlines they had a they had direct flights and you could fly out early in the morning on a weekday and you come and then they had a flight coming back. I want to say it left at like seven o'clock Washington time, six o'clock uh, our time. And, and it was just great. You'd get out there in the morning. You could do trips going in and coming out. Um, it was just it was great. And, and Midwest, I love Midwest Express Airlines. It was just tremendous. You, you'd go out there. They, they served you hot breakfasts that the two across the seating, the leather seats. It was just absolutely tremendous. When you would come back from D.C., you know, you'd be on the entire congressional delegation <laughs> almost would seem to be would be flying back and forth. I love Midwest Express Airlines. But it's like they say. Old girlfriends or old boyfriends are always old girlfriends or boyfriends for a reason. There's a reason why people break up, and there's a reason why airlines go out of business. So, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to this, this story that's out there. You've got a couple people who are, are floating this idea of, of trying to revive Midwest Express. I mean, here, here's the truth. It ain't going to happen. I, I mean, it's, it is, that is a wonderful time. But the reality is, nowadays in the airline industry, what's happening is it's consolidation. It's price sensitive to the point that, you know, business travel is dropping dramatically as more and more companies try to save money. So they do more things with like teleconferencing and things like that. And, you know, if they are sending people, they're, they're not 
looking to pay more to make it comfortable for business people. They're doing it on the cheap. Vacation travelers, you know, they're, they're not going to pay $50 extra for an extra wide seat. You're, you're not going to do that, especially if you're going to be taking your kids along. The business model that Midwest Express had, which was a wonderful business model, that doesn't work in 2017. So all these stories about, hey, this is great, we're looking at reviving it, I'd really be curious to see, okay, the people that are pushing this and behind it, what's what's really going on here? Because, you know, if you had some really, really rich guy that wanted to put, oh, $200 million into a business, explain to me how this business model makes sense. And the truth is it doesn't. I love Midwest Express Airlines, but all these different stories about maybe it's coming back and then you can have the chocolate chip cookie and everybody's going, that'd be great. Yeah, it would be great. But the reality is... It, it's just not going to happen. I used to love VHS tapes, right? But, okay, be kind, rewind. VHS tapes are gone, and they are not coming back. Midwest Express Airlines, it's gone, and it's not coming back. Remember the good memories, but uh, don't spend too much time moving forward. It is 1055. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. What does it take to attract top-level employees to Sheboygan, Sheboygan County? The CEO of Sargento Food shares his perspective and expertise with the new walkie folks in the Intersection of People and Place podcast, now under the mobile podcast tab at WTMJ.com. Hey, when you go there, matter of fact, I was just talking to the guy that hands all our digital stuff. Um, you, you can check out the podcast of this show. We podcast it every day. I know lots and lots of people download it. Matter of fact, I hear from people who, again, can't listen to the whole program, but what they do is they download it, they take it with them and listen when they're on their walks or listen when they're at their gym, and I very much appreciate it. So check out all the different podcasts that's out there and also uh, consider downloading this show. If you miss some of it, you just you just never know. And I also I hear from people, and I'm thinking, gosh, when, why? You know, we, we talked about that on, on Monday's show, but it's because they're listening to the podcast of Monday's show. They just happen to be listening on Wednesday, so you can check that all out. All right, we are scheduled in less than 10 minutes to be joined by the senior United States Senator from the state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson. Let's see, what will we talk to him about? Well, okay, where do we start? Stick around. It's 1059. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1108, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. We are joined right now by the senior senator from the state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson. Senator, good morning. Well, Jeff, how are you doing? I, I am well. We we live in interesting times. That that's for sure, um, Senator. Let, let, let me let me start off by asking you about the ongoing controversy involving President Trump's remarks on Saturday, Monday, and and then yesterday. What just in general terms? What's your reaction? I I just find the whole thing depressing. You know, for, first, it's depressing that a young lady was murdered. You know, just pushing back on uh, you know a group of individuals flying under the flag of just an incredibly evil ideology, and so if that isn't depressing enough. Uh, I was just down at a WMC event. You know, I'm talking about how, how can we grow our economy, uh, but you know, in terms of uh, press coverage, this is all people want to talk about. So, you know, from my standpoint, what we need to do in such divisive times, you know, Jeff, we're, we're probably about the same age. Yeah, you know, I, I was obviously aware of what was happening in the 60s, but you know, still pretty young. and So I, I can't necessarily give a, a complete comparison, but 
this is about as divided as, as I've ever seen this nation, and we have so many problems facing America. We, we really do need to come together. We need to unify. We need leaders across the board in our communities, in our states, in national government to do everything they can to heal this nation, to unify us, do everything we can to stop dividing us. Did President Trump's remarks yesterday move us closer towards healing or farther away from that? Well, based on my Kreska angle, I would say it didn't move us closer. It certainly didn't put the issue behind us, which is, again, we don't want to forget the tragedy. We want to use that as a lesson to prevent it from happening in the future. But I do want to move beyond this so we can start healing this country and start solving these problems. How do we do that, Senator? Well, certainly from my standpoint, the way I try and do it, Jeff, is I try and concentrate on various agreements. You know, I did this in my business career. I sit down and negotiate and start arguing right the bat. I would lay out all the areas of agreement. Uh, put, put the divisive issues off to the side and concentrate on, first and foremost, our shared goal and purpose. So this is a very compassionate nation. We're concerned about each other as Americans. We want each other to We want a safe, prosperous, and secure uh, city-state or America, um, and or America. So I think if you concentrate in those areas of agreement, uh, but let's face it, the press is going to focus on areas of division. They're going to continue to exploit. It's going to be difficult to get beyond this. So, you know, elected officials have to do everything we can to concentrate in those areas of agreement. And, again, particularly our shared goals and purposes, um, this 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 is a great nation. It's a great state. We've got great people. And they're not all great. You know, there, there's a lot of evil out there, but let's let's accentuate the positive and move forward from that standpoint. Senator, when you have members of the Wisconsin delegation, for example, like Congresswoman Gwen Moore yesterday coming out and calling for the impeachment of President Trump, is that constructive? Well, it's certainly not unifying, is it? Um, Listen, I'm not going to speak or really comment on what others say. I'm responsible for my own words, my own actions. But I really am asking every leader, whether it's local communities, whether it's state, whether it's national, focus on focus on unifying and uniting this country. We need it now more than ever, Jeff. I mean, the challenges we face, the threats from overseas, the economic challenges, the lack of opportunity. But we actually have opportunity. What we have is, is a lack of growing prosperity for individuals, you know, stagnating wages. We've got a lot of problems. Let's focus on those. Senator, let, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, obviously, one of the, the big statewide stories is the possibility that Foxconn is going to be locating somewhere in Wisconsin, probably somewhere in southeastern Wisconsin. You were in the news the other day saying that um, you think maybe Illinois should be paying a, a portion of the Foxconn incentives. What's that all about? Well, first of all, that's not what I said. Okay. What, what that's I said, what the headline said, yeah. No, I, I know. They, they, they get it wrong. They misinterpret what I said. Uh, really, what I was commenting on, first, first and foremost, giving a great deal of credit to President Trump, to Reince, to Paul Ryan, to, to Governor Walker and his team that in a very short period of time, seized upon a tremendous opportunity, not only for Wisconsin, but for America. And, you know, it's a $10 billion private sector investment, the largest in a greenfield operation in the history of America. But in order to make that happen, apparently they they need about $3 billion of some kind of incentive package to offset the the additional cost of really putting up a a world-class type of manufacturing facility uh, that, that we don't have in America today. 
And so I was just commenting the fact that it's not just Wisconsin that's going to benefit this. You know, Illinois benefits, America benefits. And, when, when I, you know, because I'm there, I realize that Wisconsin taxpayers put more money into the federal government than we ever get in return, uh, whether it's Medicaid or, or you know, Obamacare, those types of things. You know, I, I think it's a reasonable question to ask is, well, maybe the federal government ought to chip in on, on this public-private partnership. And that was the point I was making. I didn't refer to, to Illinois, but... You know, from a standpoint that this is going to benefit America, it will benefit folks from Illinois. It's also going to benefit Wisconsin. Why should Wisconsin be asked to, to you know, really pay the full $3 billion of public investment in this public-private partnership? I think it's a legitimate question. That's the only thing I was asking. Because I know it's a difficult decision for the legislator, but I also want to say I've got a great deal of faith in the governor and the legislator to make a good decision, but every investment carries risk with it. Now, as a as the senior senator from the state of Wisconsin, and I understand this is going to be a state decision, you think in general it's a good opportunity and a great thing that Foxconn is coming here? Yeah, I, I do. When 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 everything's you know weighed, whenever it's whenever things balanced out, you know, every investment entails risk. There's absolutely no doubt about it. So there's no certainty here. But when you take a look uh, at, at the benefits of this enormous investment. In terms of you know not just that ten billion dollars, but you know the, the other types of uh, investment it would it would also spawn. Uh, I, I think when all said and done, it probably is worth the, the you know the three billion dollars matched with ten billion dollars. And again, my only question was because it benefits more than just Wisconsin. Maybe it is a legitimate question to ask uh, for investment from from the rest of the federal government. Senator, you have been, it's somewhat respected, it's sort of under the radar, but you've been one of the leaders in sort of in analyzing our, our visa program. There's a lot of talk about illegal immigration, and then there's talk about legal immigration. And in Wisconsin, we, we depend on, on immigrants, legal immigrants, people who come in on, on visas to do a lot of work. I mean, the dairy industry being a classic example of that, but there's others as, as well. Can we talk a little bit about your, the, the visa program and how you think this should play out for Wisconsin? First of all, America has always relied on immigrants. Uh, we're a nation of immigrants. Right now, of the 12 million people that are in this country illegally, 7 to 8 million are in our workforce. Um, you'd hate to see what America would look like in service industries and, and agriculture, that type of thing, if, if all of a sudden those folks were just gone. So let, let's be honest about that. And every wave of immigrant coming to this country has always come in here seeking opportunity, working their tail off, doing jobs that uh, you know, employers are having a hard time to fill. And so what I'm saying is rather than a one-size-fits-all federal government program, I, listen, state of Wisconsin knows far better than the federal government what industries need laborers, you know, what, what industries need workers, and what wage rates ought to be potentially uh, required so we don't depress Wisconsin wages. So what I was proposing is a, is a three-year temporary uh, guest worker visa that could be renewed but governed by states, managed by the states. So states actually have to pass laws to uh, you know, take advantage of something that, you know, in general these visas, are, these visas would be granted by the federal government through the DHS, but managed by the states. And I think it's just a common-sense approach to making our, our immigration system a legal one that works as opposed to right now the, 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 a broken legal immigration system as a result we have all these illegal immigrants, which is not good for anybody.
So, for example, in a state like Wisconsin, that it, it, the dairy industry, you're not talking about typically seasonal workers. You're talking about, you know, workers that you're going to need 365 days a year. This would give Wisconsin more flexibility to bring in or allow people to come in to do the type of jobs that we need here in Wisconsin. And that's a perfect example of why a one-size-fits-all model doesn't work, because the federal government has visa programs for egg culture, but it's always it's less than a year because you need migrant workers come in to, to pick the crops so they don't spoil in the fields. But in dairy, uh, you got to milk a cow 365 days a year. So, you know, what the federal government set up for egg culture doesn't work for Wisconsin. Uh, Senator, where are we on health care reform, if anywhere? Well, Obamacare, the mess it's created, the, the damage it's done to real people, that's not going away. It's, it's actually getting worse. We, we need to acknowledge that the people benefited from Obamacare. Uh, you know, most of us said we don't want to pull the rug out from under anyone. But there's a way of doing it without putting at risk traditional Medicaid. There's a way of actually fixing the damage done by, you know, being honest, being courageous, doing root cause analysis, recognizing that this is what caused premiums to double. In Tennessee, they tripled and actually addressing those root causes and, and bringing down premiums that were artificially increased. Uh, we didn't use a problem-solving process, unfortunately, during the Republican debate on this. Uh, it was a political process. You know, how, how do you get the votes? And, and one of my Senate colleagues was reporting the press saying that uh, sitting around that core group is like a Persian bazaar. It was. You know, it's like, you know, hey, what do you need to get a vote? That's not the way to solve a problem. So the problem's not going away. The process continues. Uh, you know, Lindsey Graham and... and uh, Bill Cassidy have a, a block grant uh, concept. Uh, Governor Walker has been instrumental in, in working with governors to see if we can't, you know, get the details of that and make that work for everybody. But it's a difficult lift because it is a big mess. It's a complex problem. Every state's different. Uh, but, but, again, the problem's not going away, so the effort continues, and I've been, you know, I've been right in the forefront of uh, trying to fix the problem, and I'll continue to be. Do you think there's any chance we're going to have this re- revisited um by the end of the year? Well, you know, unfortunately, uh, the process was set up uh, not to ask the Democrats to help us, not, not to point out that, hey, you created this mess. This was your bill that created this damage. Uh, and so they're, they're sitting on the sidelines uh, right now to do something we probably have to do under reconciliation, which uh, this reconciliation package will re- expire with the fiscal year at the end of September. So if we're going to do something under reconciliation, we have to do it now. But, you know, Jeff, I've, I've announced and we are designing the hearings to start that problem-solving process in my, my Homeland Security Government Affairs Committee. Uh, and so we'll, we'll do this, and hopefully if you lay out the truth, if you lay out the reality, do a problem definition, do a root cause analysis, you know, maybe just might convince Democrats that in good faith they need to work with us to, to really reduce the harm to real people. You know, the forgotten men and women that Bill Quillen talked about, they're out there busting it, they're working 60 hours a week, they can't afford their premiums have doubled and tripled and their coverage cut in half. So hopefully, you know, maybe once this partisan process is passed, we can do some things on the long for the long term on a bipartisan fashion. It's certainly what I'm going to try and do. Senator, one, one more area before I, I know you have to go. The um, North Korea, obviously that is a matter of concern. The North Korean dictator appeared to back down a little bit with regard to threats to Guam, but... Um, where, where is this going, and what does the United States need to do? Well, you know, Jeff, you and I have been around, and we've heard for decades, on a bipartisan fashion, uh, presidents and members of Congress said, you know, we cannot allow North Korea to get nuclear capability. Well, they got it. 
Uh, what were the consequences? You know, then the next step was, well, you certainly can't let them get the intercontinental ballistic technology. Well, they got ballistic missile technology, uh, and, and they're rapidly approaching uh, what would really threaten America. So we finally have a president who said, you know, the end of the, the era of strategic patience is over, and whether you like his approach or not, you have to admit we got a unanimous U.N. resolution uh, ramping up the sanctions against North Korea. We got the, the dear leader the dictator to back down from its threats from Guam, it's, it's at least moving them in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But th- this is a true definition of a problem. There are no easy solutions. You know, the thought of a military conflict, uh, you don't even want to think about it, which is, is really what is, makes it so difficult for policymakers. Um, absolutely. And, Senator, I know I said that was going to be my last question, but one more. A little bit of controversy. You, um, the, the president has nominated um, for the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, former county, former Milwaukee County Judge Mike Brennan. You and f- your colleague, Senator Tammy Baldwin, had a, a system, a nominating commission set up. The, the rules were supposedly that you needed five of the six members of the commission. You each appoint three. Uh, Mike Brennan had four the three that you supported and appointed, and one from Tammy Baldwin. Is Mike Brennan going to be confirmed, do you think? I certainly hope so, because Mike is a person of integrity and he's a judge. You know, somebody's not going to alter the law, he's going to apply it, and that's what we want from judges. You know, it's just very unfortunate. We, we set up this commission, I appreciate the fact that uh, Tammy Baldwin did what uh, Herb Cole wouldn't do with me and you know, have a, a very fair process. And so it worked well for uh, the, the nomination confirmation of the Eastern and Western District judges, uh, James Peterson and, and Pam Pepper. But then Tammy Baldwin breached our compact. She violated the confidentiality of that process and uh, sent set the names of uh, seven or eight applicants to the White House. You know, Jeff, some of those individuals got zero votes. Uh, really serious uh, breach of, of a com- contract between two United States senators. So she politicized the, the commission. And, you know, unfortunately, I think the current commissioner, we tried to reconstitute it we, to address the Seventh Circuit. You know, my commissioners are working in good faith. Um, unfortunately, there was only one person that got bipartisan support when the, the real votes were taken. That was Mike Brennan. I think he'd be an excellent choice. The White House has consulted with, with Senator Baldwin. You know, the whole blue slip process, again, Harry Reid uh, blew up the Senate with the nuclear option, changed the precedent. Uh, that now judges are confirmed with 51 votes. So, you know, the enforcement of blue slip is no longer there. So much has changed since uh, I used the blue slips when President Obama didn't give me a chance to have any input with Lewis Butler and Victoria Norris. So I, I sure hope that uh, Mike Brennan gets uh, confirmed. I hope that uh, Senator Baldwin returns the blue slip. She certainly should. Senator Johnson, thanks so much for spending some time with me this morning. I very much appreciate it. Have a great day. That's uh, United States Senator Ron Johnson. I'll explain that blue slip thing that he was referring to in just a minute. 1124, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1127, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. We'll be talking about the Seventh Circuit appointment. You know, over the years, Ron Johnson, you know, cooperated with Tammy Baldwin to allow Barack Obama to appoint liberals to the district court bench. There has been an appellate court opening that goes back seven years. It is the longest unfilled vacancy in the country. You have a Republican president. You have a Republican Senate. And Tammy Baldwin is trying to block a mainstream conservative jurist from taking um, office. She's using this procedure they call a blue slip, which historically has been, if it's a Wisconsin seat, which this would technically be, 
a senator, even though they're in the minority, can file the blue slip and they can stop the person from getting a vote. Tammy Baldwin's intent is to try to stop a conservative jurist from taking this seat for the course of the next three years. That would be appalling. Mike Brennan, who is the nominee, is a good guy. He's got private practice experience. He was an assistant district attorney. He was a county judge for close to a decade. He's the type of person that you would like to see appointed to the bench. And I I hope the senator is right that the Senate doesn't allow Tammy Baldwin to use procedure to stop this vacancy from being filled. Like I said, it's been open for seven years already. What do you want to do? Let her run it out for another two, three, four years? Brennan needs to be approved, and he should be approved tomorrow. It's 1128. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1136, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. He's been called Canada's greatest songwriter of all time and has provided some of the most iconic songs since the 1960s. Gordon Lightfoot is coming to Milwaukee, and we're sending you Listen Again tomorrow and all this week to my show for your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Gordon Lightfoot when he performs at the Paps Theater on Sunday, September 17th. Okay, now for something completely different. Um, Forty years ago today, Forty years ago today, Elvis Presley died um, at the age of 42. Um, Elvis Presley, of course, um, was just a a cultural icon in in many respects. He he started out in the 50s um, and just... I, I think a lot of a lot of middle America thought that this was this was the end of the world as they know it, because here you had Elvis Presley, who was singing his particular type of music, and he was gyrating, uh, moving his hips and gyrating below the waist. And the youth of America was going to be corrupted. We, we lived. It was tamer times, I have to imagine then um, in the 60s. He, he morphed from just a musician into a, um, a movie star. And he made a bunch of largely forgettable but profitable movies um, that they still show on a regular basis today. And then a, a monster comeback as a musician. By the early 70s, he was selling out some of the largest arenas in the United States. Um, he became the first solo performer, I think it was 1973, to have a live concert broadcast around the world via satellite. That was Elvis in Hawaii, I think. Um Right before he passed away, he uh, had just completed a, a sold-out arena tour. I mean, it, from from the time that he burst on the scene in 1950, in the 1950s till his death in 1977, um, there there really wasn't a time when you know Elvis Presley wasn't a part of the national um, discussion. You know, since his death, uh, I mean, you know, he, he gained a lot of weight as he got older. Apparently, he had all sorts of problems with prescription drugs. Interestingly, even though, you know, the, the 60s and 70s were a very, very volatile time in America, you had, first of all, you had, Water, you had Watergate, you had the Vietnam War, all those things. You know, Presley, he, 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 he never decided to participate in this stuff. He just, they'd say, okay, what do you think about Vietnam? And his statement was always, I just as soon keep my own personal views about that to myself because I'm an entertainer and I'd rather not say which I think in some respects might be kind of the, the gold standard for those remarks. But, um, you know, Elvis Presley, again, it's been 40 years since he, he passed away. I think you can make an argument 
that even though it's been 40 years, Elvis Presley still remains relevant and still remains a cultural figure today. Hundreds of thousands of people visit Graceland each year. Um, he sells millions of records, you know, each year. And it seems like that there's always, you know, new Elvis products that are, are coming out. The movies are shown constantly. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know, there's a scene from uh, the movie Pulp Fiction where two of the characters, the Uma Thurman character and the John Travolta character, are, are discussing, are you an Elvis man or a Beatles man? And, and the premise that I'm not sure I buy is that, you know, Elvis people can like the Beatles and Beatles people can like Elvis, but you can't be both. You know, you, you can't be both an Elvis man or woman or a Beatles man or woman. I'm not sure I, I, I buy that. But I, I want to talk a little bit about the legacy of Elvis Presley. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think in a way that many performers don't. I think Elvis Presley remains culturally relevant, you know, today. And I think that there's an incredible amount of interest. I think there's a lot of people that still are into Elvis, and the, the fact that he passed away 40 years ago, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. They're Elvis people, and they're Elvis people for life. So if you've been to Graceland, if you're one of the people still watching the movies, if you remember... Elvis Presley, like he was, whether it's the young Elvis or the older Las Vegas Elvis, is he still culturally relevant today, or is this just an icon, you know, of the past that the people, ah, his time has come and gone, and he doesn't, ah, who cares about Elvis Presley anymore? I, I don't think that's the attitude a lot of fans have. I think there's a lot of Elvis fans out there that are, maybe you saw him years ago, but they're, they're just as rabid now as they were 40 years ago. 414-799-1620. It's the 40th. It's the 40th. Elvis Presley passed away 40 years ago today. Is he still culturally relevant? What do you think? If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1141. Jeff Wagner, It's 11.43, Jeff Wagner, 6.20, WTMJ. I never get tired of Jailhouse Rock either. Um, one of the first big hits of Elvis Presley, 414-799-1620. Elvis Presley passed away 40 years ago today. The music died. Is he still culturally relevant? My argument would be yes. Still, I mean, people flock to Graceland. People flock to Graceland, hundreds of thousands of people. The music, people are still buying Elvis records. People are still watching the movies. Let's start with Tim and Slinger. Tim, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, visited Graceland it was in the last year. First time there. It's just absolutely amazing. Uh, drove back from Florida and stopped there. Right. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. But uh, his music, his legacy, it's it just It'll never die. Why do you think that is? It's the message. It's mm -hmm. the message that pertains, whether it's the rock and roll or even his uh, his uh, Baptist uh, songs or anything like that. Right. It's just the message. It's just the message. Right. Well, he was just an incredible musician too. I mean, there, there's no there's no question about it. And I think people, as time goes on, you forget you forget how transformative he was. I mean, he he really 
changed the music industry in that period before you had the British invasion and the Beatles. I mean, he yep. he was one. Of, I mean, he's right up there, Buddy Holly. I mean, this, this was this was rock and roll. I mean, in, oh, in, absolutely. in the beginning. Now, did you like your trip to Graceland? Oh God, I could have stayed two days or three days there. Yeah, <laughs> it's no. Th- thanks for the call. It's I, I've been there once as well. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Okay, um, on our text line, I know a lot of people that love Elvis, but I never caught the bug, huh? Love Elvis. Here's another text line. Born in 1980, but grew up listening to his music with my parents. Visited Graceland when I was 14, and now I am cultivating a love for Elvis in my own kids. That's from Jamie in Muskego. Uh, Mitch writes, ask almost any big-time performer of the era. Elvis was the most influential and iconic artist of the time. Uh, Mike and Waukesha texts, I'm a Beatles fan. I could never get into Elvis as much as the next guy. Certainly was an icon and created an image that people have tried to emulate ever since. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Carla in Mequon. Carla, good morning. Carla, you got to turn down your radio. Carla? Hello? Oh, okay, got to yes, turn yes. down your radio or else oh, okay. you, every, you and everybody else hears us seven seconds later and it drives both you and me crazy. It's only <laughs> Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Hi, El- Hi, Carla. Yes. Hi. Yes. I'm. I'm calling in regards to Elvis. Right. Yeah. I don't think that now that Elvis is relevant uh, to the generation, to the millennials. Um, I think that uh, as far as the baby boomers, uh, the older generation, I think he's uh, relevant. Uh, you know, still. But um, with the millennials, I don't think that uh, he's an icon with them. Hmm. Just because they're not. They're just not familiar with the music or that there's just been a lot of other people just don't know the history and just don't think of that. Don't think of him anymore. Yeah. And then, too, with the younger generation, they look at Elvis as old, (laughs) you know. Well, he died (laughs) 40 uh, years ago. Yeah. 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 And he is old. So, you know, he's not relevant to them. So, you know, for us. Uh, the baby boomers, I mean, yeah, he's still an icon, you know, and always will be, you know, to us. But however... Right. To them, uh, you know, he's a, pretty he's a, much a non-factor. Okay, thanks for the call. I'm not sure I buy that. I, I'm I'm not sure I agree. 414-799-1620. So any, any of the millennials out there want to stick up for, for Elvis? Carla says, well, it's just, he, he's one of the, he just, you know, is one of those performers that's kind of in the past and you put in with, like, black and white TV and things like that. Tom in Richfield. Tom, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. I have to tell you that he's definitely, in my mind, is relevant. Now, I, I wasn't like a giant Elvis fan, but I went to Graceland, and I looked around. There was, you know, that is the second most visited house in America next to the White House. Okay. You know that? No, I didn't. <laughs> that, that's a fact. But I looked around to see, you know, who was coming to this Graceland? And you wouldn't believe the people that were 18, 17, that, that were there without their parents to go to Graceland. And that told me that this guy is not just going away. And so I seen him twice in Milwaukee. I was there to, to the picture in the paper. I was there at that time. He was an absolute fantastic performer. His voice was so much better live. But people... There's still that, he's kind of like, you know, the Bach, Beethoven, Brahms, they're right. still around. 
people still listen to them. They go to concerts to listen to the Fifth Symphony or whatever. Right. The guy was, the guy, no, what a, if you've seen him live, his voice was. Yeah. I, and I, it's, it's interesting, you know, Tom, it's, it's, I never had a chance to see Elvis live. I mean, I, I, I was more of a Beatles guy than an Elvis guy, but I always appreciated, you know, Elvis's music and things like that. And I never had a chance to see him live. But it is, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't because I do know lots of people who went to various Elvis shows, whether it was like the sold out arenas or whether it was like some of the Vegas performances. And everybody I know that went there said, "Fat Elvis, skinny Elvis, older Elvis." Younger Elvis, he put on just an incredible show. See, I think Elvis lives, and I, I think, I, I guess, I see that in the 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 visitors, the visits to, to Graceland. I, I see it in the interest that the movies. You know, it seems to me that there's there's not a time that you can't turn on TV and, and find some Elvis Presley movie somewhere. And some of the movies are okay. A lot of them are, are kind of missable, but. But it, it, it's Elvis. It's the music. I think the music still speaks to people. Let's talk to Mike in Appleton. Mike, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. I've uh, been an Elvis fan from the beginning, and I never was that fond of the Beatles. Okay. I was, I was standing in line at the Winnebago County Fair to buy a corn dog when the announcer commented that Elvis had passed away. So uh, I remember I remember that day very well. <laughs> Right. And his music is, is still relevant today because of his fan base. And I think there are new fans. I was at an event recently where there was a 13-year-old student who was an Elvis tribute artist. Had the jumpsuits, had the moves. Voice is still a little high, but, you know, he's on his way. <laughs> right. And, so he's, you know, and he's only 13. Well, you know, that, that's another one of the indicators. You just see how how many Elvis imitators there are out there nowadays and how many people make a living, you know, doing that. It's because people still want to hear the music, still people want to still be around the music. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I don't make a full living, but I I have emceed tribute artist shows, and I've right. you know, emceed different things, and I've got events coming up in the, between now and the end of the year. I've got some, you know, tribute artist events coming up and you know and they are they're they're, they're not all 13 years old but they're <laughs> also not 60 year old tribute artists either. right no it, it, it very no thanks to call you know it's interesting that you mentioned tribute artists i um I've been going out to the state fair long enough that I, I – the we are, of course, our broadcast facility is right next to where the Budweiser Pavilion is. And there was a period of time where one of the highlights at the Budweiser Pavilion used to be a guy named Tom Green who passed away a few years ago. Not the Tom Green from MTV, but but Tom Green who was a, a classically trained musician. But he, he made – he made a living he, doing the Elvis stuff, you know, and he'd he'd be he'd like an Elvis uh, again. Um, he'd, he'd be one of the you know Elvis interpreters and things like that. And um, great guy, you know, great band, a lot of fun. Like I say, he was classically trained. But what we do at the end of the state fair, I'd, I'd always kind of have him come over, and he'd be in full Elvis kind of outfit, and he'd walk over, and we'd do the interviews and stuff. Now he passed away a couple of years ago, way too soon. But I mean, it was just I just remember you know all the people that would come and they danced to the music. The music, I mean, it is it's not just a, a throwback to people who were alive at that time. I think it does speak to. I think it speaks to newer generations a, as well. And I mean, I think Elvis is one of those cultural icons whose 
who's not going to, he's just not going to go away. I mean, his impact, it's, I can't believe he passed away 40 years ago. I mean, I, it's one of those things where, I mean, he was 42 years old, and it's like a complete and total surprise, I think, when it happened. Now, you, you start to find out more stuff nowadays and understand how overweight he was and in bad shape and addicted to pres- prescription drugs and all that stuff. But um, uh, 40 years ago today, the music died. Uh, but I, I, think, I think Elvis lives on.